This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Krista, Adam Devine, James Bren, Matt Hill, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Charlotte, I don't know how this conversation has not happened sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it taking like five years for us to get together? When you started to go into two shows a week, I figured you'd be blowing through your list of guests and then maybe eventually I would get the call. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Waiting for the right moment. You know, you don't want to. Here's the thing. You don't want to go through all the most interesting people on planet Earth like right away. You know, you want to. You expand it out a little bit. You know, you can't you can't have all the people you want to talk to on right away. You have to make them, you know, you got to stretch it, stretch it out a little bit. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Ron. You are known as the marathon costume chick. That is correct. And the photos that you have, good Lord, I love them. They're absolutely fantastic. Whether you're a Disney princess or a fireball, a bottle of fireball. (laughs) You always have the best costumes. When did that all start, Charlotte? How did you become the marathon costume chick? You know, it started, um, I think it was about my fourth marathon. A friend and I were running Shamrock Marathon courses, you know, up in uh, North uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And Shamrock Marathon, obvious theme. So my friend said, hey, let's get green shirts and wear that. I'm like, okay, cool. So we then actually went to Party City and got these cute little leprechaun hats. And then my mom mentioned, oh, well, I'll make you some cute little skirts. So she made these great skirts that had like even had goo pockets for us. Wow. Black black and had little um, green shamrocks on it. But the kind of the the thing that really hit it out of the ballpark was she makes these shoe covers. I call them booties. And so she made these little green sparkly shoe covers that just fit right over our shoe. They Velcro on and um elastic underneath to hold them on but it had the curly little leprechaun toe and that ended up getting like so much attention <laughs> but you know that was the first time we ever kind of wore something a little bit costumey and it just made the race so much more fun you know people would you know everybody's standing there waiting for their runner to go by and they're mm-hmm. kind of cheering cheering here and they're clapping here and there and um but they would see us come by and they're like go leprechaun girls or you know so we get a lot more cheers that made it more interesting kind of past the time um so it's kind of hooked at that point i love that it starts off as a well it's a leprechaun marathon <laughs> let's just dress up let's let's kind of go the irish way and dress up like <laughs> leprechauns and little did you know at that point you know you your mom's sewing you the booties you're you get a little <laughs> skirt put together with a goo pocket in it which is so great little did you know that that would become your shtick like that was not a one and done deal for you this is the thing that would almost define your running <laughs> it pretty much has you're right <laughs> <laughs> What was the second costume that you decided to do? Was it right away? Was it like, okay, I'm doing this again the next time? Or was it some time in between? 
Well, it was definitely the next marathon. This was back in the day when, you know, I didn't realize people did more than a couple marathons a year. So that was Shamrock was in the spring. So in the fall, we did Marine Corps Marathon. And there were three of us running this time. So my mom made red and white striped skirts and I got little blue tank tops. And then I bought sequin stars. And so I had to hand sew on, I think it was like, could get 50 on each person, but it ended up being about close to 30 something sequin stars on three different costumes. <laughs> uh, so that was again, Marine, 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 um, Marine, Cor- <laughs> Marine Corps Marathon. And mom made the booties again, little, um, you know, red booties, sparkly with curly toes. And we ended up being on a brochure for the Marine Corps Marathon and they used our picture in a couple ads. So I was like, wow, I can actually get really big attention for doing this too. That's really, that's really amazing that, you know, you find this thing on a dare, works out and then you do it again. That's got to be for you kind of reassuring that that was the right path you were on, right? Like you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. Here you are now. You're the cover gal of the Marine Corps Marathon. (laughs) Yeah, and it was funny because I was actually at the Disney World Marathon Expo, and one of my friends was there, and she called me. She's like, you got to get over to the Marine Corps booth because they have flyers with your picture on it. So you had no idea until you saw them at the expo. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. That is so, so cool. Were you, we'll take it back a step and then I, I want to move forward, but talk about your running for a second to kind of know the genesis of how, you know, you decided to start wearing costumes mm-hmm. at races. How did you get into running, Charlotte? I was, you know, I'm far opposite from ever the athlete, never did anything athletic growing up, a little bit of cheerleading, a little bit of ice skating, yeah. um, but, you know, just never did anything athletic. Um, was a diver, so that was about the only thing later in life that I did anything athletic, um, meaning scuba diving. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you hit middle age, and actually, I had a friend email me one time and says something about, send me a picture. I was from, I was just taking a vacation, so I was looking at the pictures of myself from vacation. I'm like, ooh, oh, that looks, ooh, oh, yuck, that looks really <laughs> bad. So I'm like, I couldn't find a picture of myself that I liked, so I'm like, got to do something about that. Mm-hmm. So started um, eating better and working out. I wasn't running at that point. I was just doing some, some you know, simple little exercises, little videotapes. I actually lived on a boat, so I only have a really small room that I could um, exercise in. You lived on a uh, boat? I did, yeah. I lived on boats for about 15 years on and off. Okay. Pause right there. <laughs> okay. A, a buddy of mine lived on a boat for a couple of years, and he said that that experience taught him that the word boat is an acronym, and the acronym is bust out another thousand. Another thousand, that's right. <laughs> How did you end up living on a boat, Charlotte? Uh, it was just, um, I lived a little bit further inland. I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina now, mm. and I lived up in Raleigh. My husband at the time, we got a sailboat. Then we realized by the time we could get it to the lake, get it in the water and get ready to go sailing, we could have it in the water here and just drive down two hours and be ready to go. Fell in love with Wilmington, decided to move here. And then we decided, well, you know, we don't want to ever spend, we're going to get a smaller house, but a bigger boat to, um, to you know, yeah. be able to go out in the ocean on. But we realized we're never going to want to spend any time on, at the house. We're always going to be at the Marine. It was at the center of our social life. We had made great friends here. Uh, so just decided, let's just get a bigger, bigger boat and live on it. So we bought a 38-foot sailboat 
and lived on it for about three years. Um, then decided we needed something a little bit bigger. Wow. Three years living on a boat. With a, a husband, a dog, and two cats. <laughs> and you're trying to get in shape on yeah. a boat, which that, that's got to be interesting because it's, it's constantly yeah. in motion. You know, where do you put the weights in a boat? <laughs> yeah. So I had like this little space in my, the galley, the kitchen area that was maybe three by four. And if I ever had to do any like leg kicks or anything, it would have to, my leg would actually go into the head, into the bathroom <laughs> uh, to get the kick out there. <laughs> so I finally had felt a little bit comfortable enough to go up to the clubhouse and exercise. So I take back then I had the, the Billy Banks Tabo tape. So I take those up to the clubhouse and exercise. So once I started, you know, losing some weight, I, we actually were on vacation somewhere and I didn't have my tapes or my exercise stuff. So I'm like, well, let me just go out for a walk. And um, I think we we're up in Annapolis, Maryland. I'm like, it's kind of cold. So I ended up doing a little bit of running. I'm like, I've never been a runner. I don't think I could be a runner. I blamed an old, oh, I broke my foot, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to let me run. But then when it got back here and it was springtime and everybody's out walking the loop, I'm like, yeah, let's just let's just start running. So um, started doing a little bit of running here. And as soon as somebody finds out you're a runner, they're like, oh, well, let's sign up for that five, this 5K or that 5K. And, you know, then you get hooked into the races. Yeah. You also need to get a part of the community. The next thing you know, mm-hmm. 5K turns into a 10K. 10K turns into a half marathon. Half marathon turns into a marathon. And the next thing exactly. you know, you're running ultra marathons dressed as a bottle of, uh, of fireball. Um, <laughs> three best things about living on a boat, Charlotte. Um, I like the minimalist kind of feeling mm-hmm. of, you know, but when we were li- living in the house and downscaling to live on the boat, I'm like, oh, I could get five bucks for that at a yard sale or, you know, just, just realizing that you had too much stuff and it felt really good to just kind of scale down. Um, the second one is just, just being that close to nature. You know, I get up in the morning, I've got dolphins in my backyard, you know, I've got a beautiful sunset I can look at, you know, a boat goes by kind of fast and you, you feel the wake of the boat. Cause we never really, we never did more traveling than just, you know, long weeks or, right. couple, you know, long weekends or a long week. Um, but just mostly stayed tied to the dock and, um, I think the best thing is just a cheap way to live at the beach for for cheap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Three worst things about living on a boat. Um, When it gets wintertime and it drops the winter, uh, the weather drops cold enough that they have to turn off the water. Uh, So we had a water tank, um, but still it's just, you know, not having water and the potential of the power going out. Um, You know, we had a generator, but still just the fact that, you know, it's easier when you're in a house and you have a lot of things that you, you know, you can do to keep warm, but being on a boat and you're pretty much, you know, pretty close to the outside, just that fear of, um, you know, being very cold. Um, the worst thing, of course, is hurricanes. I've been yeah. very lucky and you know, we've had a um, few storms come through when I've been living on the boats. Um, nothing that major. Uh, I think Charlie in 2004 was the the worst one that came through. Um, I've actually been the opposite. I've been a hurricane detractor. Um, as soon as I leave a city, they end up getting hit pretty bad by the hurricane. So you're the only reason. Um, you're you're, yeah. you're the you're the breaker. You're the you're yeah. say nope, not while I'm here, and then you leave, and all of a sudden, like bring Charlotte back. Yeah, yeah. I lived here for a while, and then I moved. Um, when I moved away, I moved to the Florida Keys for a little bit, and ended up. They got hit here in Wilmington by uh, Florence mm-hmm. a couple years after that, and then when I left the Keys, they got hit by Irma pretty bad. 
Um, so then I moved to Charleston. And when I left Charleston, I warned everybody, you might want to get your insurance because <laughs> I'm leaving and that may be bad news for you. <laughs> yeah, now's not the time to skip your premiums because I can't yeah. keep the hurricanes away anymore. Um, at some point, though, you know, I guess running on the boat, you get your shoes on, you head out to the dock, you go wherever you're going to go. I'm sure it makes life a little easier, though, when you actually sell the boat. Because I've heard also as well, there's the two happiest moments of your life when it comes to <laughs> owning a boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. Uh, those That's are- <laughs> right. Actually, I've been very sad both times I had to move off the boat because I really, I really love living on a boat. So I really got sad when I had to move off and become a land lover. Yeah, you all of a sudden you're like walking around going, "Why am I not like swaying back and forth? <laughs> like, this is like nothing's moving. This is so strange. I don't have to listen to the sway of the pots and pans all 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 night long. Uh, you know, I get, it's it's a little quiet. My my grandfather had a boat, and he would keep it at the South Shore Yacht Club in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he would take it around and and he would do this thing called the Queen's Cup, which is a race from. Wisconsin yeah. to Michigan and back across Lake Michigan. One year he took second place and that was like his like most prize achievement was, you know, second place in the Queens Cup. I'm like, that's awesome. That's 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 great. Um, but he his boat, his boat was he called it a man's boat. And my my grandmother would never go on the boat because it was too dirty. And she would always say, I won't go on that boat. It's too dirty. And my grandpa would go, you're darn right. It's dirty. It's a man's boat. There's no room for women on this boat. And so it was just a, the strangest thing. And when you're a kid and your parents or your grandparents take you to supper at the yacht club, that's a, that's an oh. interesting experience altogether. That's when I learned that the the butter that's scooped up like a like an ice cream scoop it's oh, not yeah. ice cream, it's butter. You take the first... Oops. <laughs> you, learn, you learn real quick. It's like, this is not ice cream. This is butter. And butter is not good when there's so much of it in your mouth. That ruins it for you. So, <laughs> so that was my experience with, with just uh, on Grandpa's boat. The Seventh Heaven is what the name of his boat was. What was the oh, name nice. of your boat? Uh, one of them was Orinoco, um, and that's the name for Inya's song. The second mm-hmm. one was Nomad, just kind of to represent, you know, moving around and the, the goal of what we really had. Yeah. And the third one was Lone Palm uh, after the Jimmy Buffett song. Oh, very nice. You were living the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle for a good long time. You were a Jimmy Buffett song, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Tell me about the running. Now that we we all, everyone that had an idea of moving on a boat is going, ah, I'm thinking second thoughts about living on a boat. Um, the running, how does that progress into the world of ultra marathons? Well, um, started off with, as you know, went to the 5K, 10K, half full route. And when I started doing my full marathons, I ran with team and training and did the, the running to benefit Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So I met a great community here in Wilmington. And, you know, even after I wasn't running with them, I was still running with the people. Um, just really started, um, you know, enjoying the people and that I would meet and, tr- and wanted to travel and do some running. So, of course, you know, you, you run a couple of marathons and then somebody mentions, oh, well, you know, there's some people that run a marathon in all 50 states. I'm like, oh, that would be fun. So my friend and I were going to get interrupted by my kitty cat. That's okay. Um, it's not the first uh, animal to interrupt in an interview. So we're good. We're good. I hear them all the it's time. It's par for yeah. the course. Um, so started doing trying to do all the 50 states, you know, and you meet one person and they tell you about this other marathon. So you just go to do that. 
you know, so I was focused the longest time on finishing my 50 states. Um, but then when I moved to Charleston, I met a great uh, group of running people called OSR, Onshore Recreation, and they were the ultra people. And yeah. I was so intrigued. You know, they were talking about doing all these races and um, one I had signed up for um, is in North Carolina. The first one I signed up for is called the, the Bethel Hill Midnight Boogie Marathon. It's a old school 50 miler. It's in the middle of summer. If you read the waivers, like, why would anybody say this? Because it's hot. It's humid. It's in the middle of the night. It's on backcountry roads where, as, it, as the waiver says, rednecks like to drink and drive and throw things. So um, it sounded intriguing, but then I moved away and couldn't do that one. Um, but I ended up moving to the Florida Keys, yeah. and I'd always heard, heard about the Keys 50 and the Keys 100. So when I moved to the Keys, I'm like, this is my chance. I'm going to be living here. I'm going to be able to train in the heat. And so that was actually my first 50 miler, my first ultra uh, was the Keys 50. And even after living there and training in the heat, it was still brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ain't easy. Yeah. So then, you know, went back to focusing on running the 50 states, got that finished. And of course, everybody's like, well, now what's your goal? What are you going to do? And I'd run into this crowd in Charleston. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this ultra stuff really sounds fun. So, um, you know, just started doing some. I think the first one I did was another 50 miler um, in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And then I discovered timed races. There's a great one called Farm Days um, outside of Savannah, Georgia. It's a 24 hour race fun weekend of hanging out camping you know karaoke beer mile live music great food so i'm like i think i could really enjoy this so i was instantly hooked to to ultra so that crowd really taught me about you know the different races that were out there because i'd never even really experienced ultra sign up i didn't know about that magical world and so i was just hearing through races by word of mouth but yeah as soon as i discovered ultra sign up you know that was it i was on <laughs> you know so many people charlotte get into running kind of the same way that you do and they'll you know they've they they see a picture they don't like and you know the a fitness journey will take them on a run and then everyone's kind of kind of wants to conquer that marathon distance because it's like ooh, it's a marathon everybody knows what a marathon is a marathon's a, a huge accomplishment what make what made you keep going back for more because some people are like okay i've done one and i've had enough what was it that made you go like no this is not enough i need to keep doing this you know i think it was you know, part of it was the goal to do the 50 states, but a lot of it was like, you know, like I said, I was never an athlete. I was never any person that had any kind of athletic ability. I never thought I could do this. So the fact that I could run a marathon and then when I started doing them closer and closer together and I learned I could recover pretty quickly and I can do, you know, one every other month and then one a month and then in one every other week, um, you know, just really like I never am. And never in a million years thought I could do any type of athletic event like that. So just about I could do it and can keep doing it. And I was having fun, even though there's, you know, there's definitely the hard parts, but I was having fun every time. Yeah, that's so that's so cool. What did you find out about recovery? Because a lot of people, you know, they, they go, I can do one every couple of months or whatever. But you kind of discover the secret that, oh, wait a minute. I can get this down to one every other week. What did you discover about recovery that made that possible? Uh, you know, I would. I wish I could say that it was all about stretching and you know yoga and taking care of myself for recovery. I should do that better, but I don't. You know, but it's just like one of those. You, you just try it and I'm like, oh wow, I 
really feel like I could run another one. And then, you know, got into one of the easiest ways to get some of the 50 states done is do these what we call um, double weekends or back-to-back weekends. Right. We do one in one state, then drive and do another one in another state. And the fact that I could do those and, again, I'm like, how on earth am I not hurting more than I thought I would be doing that second marathon? So you just start doing them closer and closer together. And then you realize if you can do them that close together, then you can do it all in one race in ultra. <laughs> right. Hey, if I can do two back to back, I can do it all <laughs> in one day and save myself yeah. a, a whole lot of, of trouble. You talked a bit about the community and it seems like the community in the ultra world gave you something that you perhaps weren't getting in the road world. Is that, is that right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's so much closer. And anybody that runs an ultra, you know, you immediately notice that just the whole vibe of the community is just so much different. Um, There was an ultra this past, um, not this past weekend, the weekend before here in Wilmington. And it was kind of intended to be, it was a 16 hour race, kind of that first person's ultra. And the people that were coming over from the, you know, the road running world, they just loved it, you know. Oh, well, you know, we're running in, in loops and I get to see people. I can stop and take a little break if I want to, um, you know. And it's just that, as the race director said before we took off, you know, there's first timers here. There's very experienced runners out here. Get to know each other, you know, talk, you know, talk about the race and, you know, get to know each other and kind of experience the race together. So people that hadn't run, you know, many ultras or any ultras felt more comfortable to know that, hey, I'm out here with people that have run, you know, 200 ultras and I'm just feeling fit, fit right in. That's really, that's very cool. Yeah. You kind of see that. And then to see it, to experience it yourself is one thing, right? And then you go to a race with a lot of first timers and you get to experience it again through their eyes. Like you get to watch how they react to the different pace the different atmosphere, all those things that we come back for again and again when it comes to an ultra, to see people experience that for the first time reinforces almost kind of like, ooh, I remember my first time. This is I, this is why I love this community. Oh, uh, and the running joke with me in Charleston was I'm the enabler. So I always convince somebody. I've convinced so many people to do, do their first ultra or try their first, you know, ultra. And so every time they're around me, I'm like, okay, what race we can sign up for this time? <laughs> so, <laughs> you're the bad influence. A lot of people on ultra sign up. <laughs> right. You're the bad influence I keep talking yeah. about. You know, yes. you're, you're someone you're making bad choices, helping people make bad choices for years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what has running given you you know it's just a sense of life it's you know like you said it really now does kind of define my persona it is who i am and you know i'm always introduces oh that's charlotte she's the ultra runner she's the one who dresses up in costume and you know sometimes i'm like you know there's other good things about me too <laughs> but <laughs> that tends to be what i'm known for um and you know just the the fact that i enjoy it and i have such a good time i still get teary-eyed at every single start line and every single finish finish line and that's what tells me i know i'm enjoying it and yes there's down times and there's miserable times and there's times i want to quit but i know i can push through it um but yeah it's just being out there being out in nature being out there with other friends, meeting new friends. You know, I just wouldn't trade this for anything. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite races that you've done so far? You know, I mentioned the one fun one that I love so much, Farm Days. It's down in Brooklyn, Georgia. It's the end of February. 
6, 12, 24 hour race. They have, you know, just great food, live music, karaoke, beer mile, um, you know, it's just fun. And it's, you know, it's on a farm. So there's a lot of farm animals. So a lot of people bring their kids and it's just a great environment. Um, you know, some people come and, you know, and the thing is, once you, people that run the six hour, they don't leave, they stay in camp out all weekend. So it's just a whole weekend um, of fun. So I've run that one um, about six times now. And my other favorite race is coming up soon. It's the Charleston 100. It's a very small kind of road race. It's self-supported, um, no course markings. There is a course map. And it's just got a great story, um, the history behind it about Noah Moore and how he created this race, kind of the meaning behind it. And he's done some great races in Charleston um, in memory of his son who passed away. And he's raised a lot of scholarship money for the youth athletic teams there. So it's just a great story and just a great community just because it's such a small, it's just a big adventure for um, a very small race as far as the number of people that run yeah. um, just because running across Charleston, you know, in the middle of the night is fun. How, how many people do the Charleston 100? So the first year, I think there were 19 starters and nine of us finished. I think the next year they had about 26 people and it's grown. So now I think he gets up to like 75 um, in it um, that register. And uh, it's, it's usually, it's an adventure, like I said, and you know, it's a good, um, Oddly enough, it's kind of a it's a tough race because it's a lot of concrete mm-hmm. and it's all on the road. And sometimes, depending on what time you're you're hitting downtown Charleston, you're running into tourists. Um, but um, it's a, it's a really good race, and um, it's it's got a really big following there. And you know, we stay connected all throughout the year on Facebook. We joke all the time, and he actually has his little spinoff race called the Charleston Itty Bitty 50. So the 50 mile, so the Charleston 100 is out and back. So mm. this is just the point to point that's half of the course. So that's coming up this weekend. So, you know, he's got us sucked into another race now. So not only the 100 at the end of December. So now we got the Itty Bitty 50 this weekend. That has to be such a different experience to, you know, we're used to races where you get a t-shirt at the end and there's food and beverage every seven miles ish you know at, at that point but to do it all by yourself the motivation has to be entirely different and the planning has to be as well it is and um you know a lot of people i personally I always try to use crew just because you know why if you've got friends that live there um, why not take advantage of your friends a lot of people come out and run part of the course with our you know with us um, some people run it completely, you know, unsupported. There's plenty of gas stations and stores. Um, it just depends on there's one stretch that's like 16 miles. It's eight mile out and back that you really don't have a lot of stores or, you know, restaurants or anything that you can stop in. But me personally, I usually hit it at night so they wouldn't be open anyway. Um, you know, but it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great race as far as just it's just the fun. And, you know, like I said, he does provide the course map and, the, you know, the turn by turn instruction. So, you know, it, it kind of helps build the community because everybody's like, OK, where, where can my crew go? Where should my crew sit? So I always add a note. So here's the good spots for crew to meet up with you. That's really cool. It's almost like Vol State minus the. 10 days you know like, yeah. like it's like and there is we do have a bench it was called the crab of despair <laughs> that was at one of the piers and the rumor is that it's gone now so i'm really going to be upset when we go this weekend and the crab of despair is not going to be there because everybody <laughs> take pictures just like like they were for fall state because no and a lot of people that have done this race have done ball state so that's how that happened so like it's almost good training for it because really you, you don't get mm-hmm. that experience 
at any other race where you're you know being weighted on hand and foot on your own yeah right exactly you have to figure out and how to do this stuff on your own that's a really cool race i hope that that takes off i would love to see more people do that yeah, we kind of try to keep it a secret. Though, oh well, it keeps it limited. Game over. How do you yeah. get? How do you get into that race? Is that one of those things that you have to you have to like know somebody or send an email? Well, it is on ultra sign up, but if you've done it before, you kind of get a heads up about when registration is going to open because um, it is actually a, a free race. He doesn't charge for it. Um, there's a beautiful buckle, and um, if you want, if you get the buckle, you just pay for it yourself. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people sign up to begin with because, of course, it's a free race. Um, then, then you know the turnover. You know somebody gets injured or Chris. You know it's after Christmas. A lot of people Christmas plans change, so they can't make it. So he keeps a good wait list. Um, but usually, um, it's usually a pretty full race. That's really cool. That's awesome. I hope that's you got to love that grassroots type of stuff because you know a lot. We live in, a, in an era now where this is turning into a big business. I mean, golly, I had a whole episode about UTMB and all of that, and who knows? I mean, oh, God, yeah. it could be you know races with a thousand people and it's turning a profit. It's a big deal, right? This is a sport now where we can make some money off of it, and people are 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 doing that. But when you have a race like that where it's just this small group just doing it because they love to do it like that's cool stuff and I, we need to have we need to continue having stuff like that in the community i agree i agree that's why everybody kept on asking him to have a 50 miler so he created the the second race the itty bitty 50 yeah yeah so if it's a free race how does he raise money for for the charities does he does he ask us for donations yeah, you can donate, um, um, and there's other races that have entries. You know, all all benefit the. Um, I think it's the um, the Mount Pleasant Track Club, the youth club. So, and he does a lot of other local charities. So, but yeah, you can always donate, either on. Um, you know, he provides links where you can contribute money. You've run a lot of Yeti races too, haven't you? I have. In fact, you even said, you mentioned earlier that, you know, this conversation hasn't happened yet, but I was actually referenced on one of your episodes a long time ago. It was the old format um, podcast. Yeah, yeah. When you had Jason and Phil Pinty on and Phil was talking about his Yeti experience. Yes. And he talked about the very end where he's struggling to get up the hill and all of a sudden some person comes running through in Yeti feet. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. Yes. That was me. Phil was like, "How I can't even move, and this woman in Yeti feet is like running right by me." <laughs> That's fantastic. And Jason tells a great story about that race, about how he saw me, and this was that was my second Yeti race, but my first Yeti 100 yeah. race. And I'm at the start line, and he looks over at me, and he he says to himself, he sees my big furry feet, and he didn't understand that they were just covers over my. Um, running shoes so he he said he looked at my feet and go this isn't going to go well <laughs> and then he sees me at a later aid station and he starts calling around hey is that yeti girl come through the girl in the fur and they're like yeah she's doing great <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's awesome because you're right when i saw the picture i'm like it looks like she's wearing costumed <laughs> like yeti feet that are not 
conducive to running, you know? <laughs> yeah, so the costumes kind of um, have evolved over time. It started off something very simple, like I said, the green shirt and the mom made the skirt. And what we would do for a lot of them was we would get two running shirts and, mom, you know, my mom would make the second one into a skirt so that way hey, we had the matching color for a skirt in the top, you know, for depending on what the costume was going to be, like a pink flamingo or a pig for flying pig. Um, and then when my friend stopped running um, as, as many marathons and I was doing them by myself, I got a little bit more elaborate. Um, and mom makes a lot of my costumes. Um, she's 80, almost 82 years old. She's wow. still so still very active. Um, so I have her make a lot of them, but sometimes it's just as easy to get them off of Amazon. And some of them, they do get, you know, I have a lot of regrets on some of them, but I'm pretty committed. <laughs> I always say head to toe, start to finish. So I don't, you know, if I'm carrying something, I carry it the whole way. If I have on something, I, I you know, very rarely make any costume adjustments during the race. All right. You said you learned the hard way. What was, yes. what was a, a costume that didn't turn out so hot and was a disaster? Um, you know, I can't say any more a disaster, uh, but one of the ones that was the toughest lately was earlier this year at the Yeti Race Troublesome Hollow. I was Dolly Parton. <laughs> so not only did I have um, a set of um, costume accessories that were size double E or something <laughs> like that, that was pretty much just a silicone vest and they were very heavy. I also had on a flannel long sleeve shirt mm-hmm. and the long dolly wig and a denim skirt and then these shoe covers that look like leather boots. And it was the end of April up in Bristol, Virginia, and it was a hot day. It was blistering hot. And Jason's, um, you know, great little race that, oh, yeah, then you run up this little hill, which was three miles straight up, you know, the side, <laughs> a side of a mountain to a radio tower. And I'm going up the mountain and I'm just sweating. And I'm like, finally, like, unbutton my little, my flannel blouse a little bit to get some air. By the time I get to the top of the mountain, I'm like ripping the, the flannel top off. <laughs> and I'm like, I just bare fake chested up there at the top of the mountain. <laughs> that one was hot. And everybody was like, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, well, I just, you know, same thing. I just, I'm committed to it and I'll just suffer through it. You had no other choice, really. You were kind of stuck. <laughs> Well, you know, was there ever a thought? Because, I mean, you, you could have, I wonder if you could have fashioned a hydration vest to be Dolly's <laughs> assets. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> for next time, for but next then, time. Yeah, but then she would, um, she'd be deflated as the race went on. <laughs> <laughs> That's commitment. Like, nobody would have said, like, I don't think she's really Dolly because she doesn't have double E's. Like, you know, you could have you you just worn the wig and the what have you, and you'd have been great. Yeah, well, I, I, those boobs are now race retired, and I did the Yeti 100 <laughs> again this fall, and did I did the newer version of, of Dolly, the sparkly rhinestones and everything. Thing, and I'm like, no, uh, she's going as, as flat-chested Dolly because I can't wear those again. <laughs> you learn the hard way. If you want to oh, dress yes. up as Dolly, just be, <laughs> just be, you know, Dolly everywhere else. Don't worry exactly. so much about Dolly, you know, in that region. You're just Dolly everywhere else. <laughs> they got the gist of the costume. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. What was your favorite costume of all time? You know, I think... Because I still get so many comments of this, the birthday cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was for the Little Rock Marathon. This was a long time ago, and it was actually on my birthday. And my mom made this 
beautiful three-tiered birthday cake out of kind of like a white satin material and a lot of PVC. And so it was three-tiered and um, basically a big hoop skirt. And I decorated it with, you know, butterflies and flowers and trim and, and, you know, the icing on the cake. And I just loved it. It was it was gorgeous. It was really hard to come up with the idea and the concept to do it. So my mom did a fabulous job. But the funny thing was is that um, the hoop skirt or the bottom layer of PVC was definitely too big to go into porta potty. So that was not going to happen in the race. <laughs> And then it started off very, very cold. And I had a bunch of friends running with me that day and we all stuck together because it was my birthday. And I got warmed up and I had a pair of sweatpants on under um, under the dress of the birthday cake. Yeah. But I had running shorts on too. And so I couldn't get the hoop skirt or the hoops up in order to get my hands up to my waist to pull down my with sweatpants to take yeah. them off. So yeah. I ended up having to tell my friend, I'm like, pull it up, start pulling up my birthday cake. I'm like, can you take off my pants? And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have shorts on underneath there. <laughs> Don't panic. <laughs> Things you never expect to hear at a race. Yeah. Hey, can you take off my pants? <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's, that was in the ultra world, you know. That, that happens in the ultra world, not this one. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Um, if you had to guess, how many costumes... Do you think you've worn over the years at races? I keep count. I am a spreadsheet person, so I keep count. And um, I do repeat a costume. Like if I do the, a certain race every year, I'll you know kind of wear it because it's, sometimes it's hard and it gets expensive. Yeah. I actually started this year tracking my costume cost, and I don't want to do that because it's it can get pretty expensive. Oh, where are we at uh, now? But just give me uh, just give me a number. Yeah, so I had just ran in costume number, different costume number, 203. 203 different costumes yes. spread out over, like, what, five, six years, right? Uh, no, actually, I've been running a lot. It's, it's coming up on 18 years. Okay, so, so 18 years. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, spread out. Okay. Yeah, going back to starting with my um, first first costume was in 2007. So it's been a while. Two Over 200 mm-hmm. costumes. That's incredible. Wow. That's dedication. <laughs> was there one that you thought would have been big? Like you're like, oh, I can't wait for people to see this. And it, it didn't, it kind of flopped. Well, sometimes, because I always, they're always themed to either the race, the season, the location, something connected to the race. And so sometimes people just don't get it. So I usually have to put, um, you know, explanation as to why I'm wearing this. Um, you know, so that's that's not really a disappointment because I know it's it's you know a stretch to come up with ideas. And so I'm like, I'm doing the best I can, people. If you got better <laughs> suggestions, please let me know. And a lot of times I will crowdsource. I'm like, put a post on Facebook. Hey, I'm running this race. Anybody got any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the, you know, you got some of the double cost. You know, you think about the race yeah. entry fee. All the rest of us have a pair of shorts that we love to wear and a shirt or whatever. You're <laughs> having to change it every single time. <laughs> I would think too, Charlotte, that your lube game has got to be on point compared to most people because, you know, most most shirts, the most running shirts and running shorts are designed to not chafe too terribly but a birthday cake costume (laughs) is not designed for that how do you keep from not being an absolute mess at the finish line 
You know, it's tough because it's weird. You know, I've had Christmas tree tinsel chafe before and <laughs> just chafe in weird places. I really don't try out my costumes very often. It's just kind of like, what well, it is what it is. And if I, you know, something happens, I, you know, usually we run with some extra safety pins or some other way to, to modify the costume. Um, but yeah, a lot of um, KT tape and a lot of salty bridges. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love it. You don't practice in them. It's kind of yeah, like, okay, just, we'll see how this goes on race day. Yeah, sometimes I may, you know, just do a little jog or something just to see if, you know, if something's going to fall down or if it's going to bounce or do I need to, you know, sew it up something somehow. But uh, I did practice in the dolly boobs, though, because I was worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Your neighbors have to think that you're insane they must have well, I thought went to, i went back to the marina that i used to live in because I, I that's right across from where i run i'm like they know i'm insane so they they'll get a big, big kick out of watching these dolly boobs well, well yeah but they just think about your neighbors like i'm sure they're they're not sure if they're hallucinating at first or if they're really seeing a birthday cake or a, a bottle of fireball or a leprechaun or dolly parton or whatever a cowboy like running by them they have to be like that woman is insane that's i'm, I'm fine with that i'm, I'm used to stairs <laughs> running costume. do you think all of us could benefit from doing a race in costume i think so because it makes you i mean when you talk about the front middle and the back of the pack i'm definitely back of the pack mm-hmm. um and i kind of use my co- well you know i could have run faster but you know the fireball costume was slowing <laughs> me down um and i think it's just it makes you slow down and just have a good time at a race so you're not so focused um and it's a good distraction it keeps your mind off of things you're not complaining you know you're not thinking about the miles you're not thinking about how miserable you are you're thinking oh this costume's bothering me or oh i like the you know the attention my costume's getting so it just really adds a good distraction to a race do you think too maybe it would take the seriousness out of it it's hard to be serious and stressed (laughs) out and just real tightly wound when you're dressed like a birthday cake Exactly. Yeah. And I love just how it, um, how it interact, you know, how it calls the interactions with other people. Some people will, you know, I can hear the whispers behind me. She's supposed to be a, I don't get what she's doing. Um, so I'll just slow down like, yeah, that's fine. Ask questions. I, I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, you're right. Cause you're, you're, you're really, you're, you're focused on the costume itself, right. And how people are interacting with the costume. And it's almost like the great distractor in a way. It is. It definitely keeps my mind, my mind off the miles a lot of times. I would think so. Absolutely. What are your recommendations if someone is going to, you know what? I like what Charlotte's doing. I'm going <laughs> to give this a whirl. What are your tips for running a, an ultra marathon in costume? Start with something simple. Like I said, when we originally started, it was just a running shirt and a skirt. You can add some accessories. Um, Then my mom kind of came up with the concept of a tank dress. So it's basically a tank shirt, but just long. So that could be, you know, any color and that can sew things on or, you know, make it into any costume. 
But now on Amazon, I mean, you can find anything. And I know there are a lot, especially when it comes to Disney races. I know there's a lot of companies that make running attire that are costumes, but they still aren't, they still just, you know, they're a little too simple for me. I need something a little bit more extravagant. So I just, I live on Amazon, you know, I'm always, um, you know, ordering things off Amazon. One of my favorite stories is, um, my Alexa alerted me one day and I'm like, Alexa, what's my notification? She says, Charlotte, your cockroach costume has arrived. (laughs) (laughs) What more could you want? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I do have one story about a costume that totally hit the mark. And this is, and I have actually been saving this, this story for you, Ryan. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, so if you've ever heard of Space Coast Marathon, which is down in Cocoa Beach, Florida, yeah. and they actually have a costume contest. And so I, my mom and I had this costume contest or uh, this idea one time because they do a metal series and they were doing the space shuttles. I'm like, I want to be the space shuttle. So she came to visit me around Thanksgiving one year or before Thanksgiving, I think. And we were just we tried to pull this costume together, just couldn't get it to, to be what I thought would be appropriate and just look good. Yeah. So I just ended up doing I Dream a Genie costume. I won the costume contest, but then I'm like, no, I want to come back next year and defend my honor, but I want that space shuttle costume. Yeah. Because I was just, I just thought that it would look great. So mom did a great job. We pulled it together. Um, the last little final pieces were like the windows and, and all the markings on the nose cone yeah. of the space shuttle. So it's the night before the race. We're in the hotel. I've got glow sticks. I got Velcro. I've got everything going on and um my friend susan was um at the race with us and she's she was probably like upper 60s at that point so she's trying to get to sleep and i'm you know i've got my ipad out i'm looking at pictures of the space shuttle from all different angles i'm cutting things out i'm gluing them on ripping them off going over and over again and susan's like charlotte just go to sleep it's not like there's gonna be a rocket scientist judging you tomorrow (laughs) so go to the race do the do the space shuttle, win the costume contest, and afterwards some gentleman walks up to me and says, "You know, I just had to say hello, and I've got to get a picture because I work at NASA and I worked on the space shuttle program, and that's the best I've ever seen." No way! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I was like, Susan, Susan, you got to come here with this guy. Like, hey, Susan, come here. <laughs> Tell, tell Susan what you just told me about my costume. It's the best. To have somebody who worked on the space shuttle get excited about your space shuttle marathon costume, that was better than I'm sure any compliment you've ever got ever about a costume. That was my favorite. That is so awesome. What a great story. Thank you for saving that just for me. I love I that. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> so what's your inspiration now? I mean, here we are. We're, we're closing out 2023 and we're getting ready for 2024. Kind of what are your thoughts and what do you give us a little teaser what to expect? You know, um, I've got my set kind of list of races that I try to do every year, like as a farm days and Charleston 100 is coming up. Um, I'm closing in on 
marathon number 300 or marathon and ultra combined. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out my focus for the next year. I've got a bunch of hundreds sign up for them, sign up for the yeah, Yeti Dark, Dark Anchor in January, mm-hmm. Jackpot in February, um, Country Mile in April and the other new Yeti race, Capitan Mountain mm-hmm. in New Mexico in April. But then I've got to figure out, do I need to slow down on some of the ultras and cram in a bunch of marathons so I can hit my number 300 at my hometown race and um, it will be March, uh, February, 2025. So I'm at 264 marathons and ultras right now. So I just got to figure out kind of how I'm gonna plan that out. I really want to hit it here in my hometown, but um, so I may have to cut back on some of the ultras, you know, later next yeah. fall. We'll see how yeah. it goes. Get that number. Um, costumes wise, what are you inspired to do costume wise <laughs> for the next year? Oh, you know, I, I, I love looking for a racer coming up with a race. As soon as I hear, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to be. Uh, like for Little Rock, which is the one that I wore the birthday cake at, it falls on my birthday again this year. And so some of my girlfriends are like, we know you don't run marathons anymore, but, you know, we're doing Little Rock. I'm like, oh, it's on my birthday. I'm going to do it. So but they also have a gr- they do a lot with themes. And so it's a dinosaur theme. So I have to combine the dinosaur and my birthday kind of theme together. So looking forward to doing that. And I just love finding races, especially if it's a new race. You know, if I've run the same race every year, kind of, have, you know, I want to try to come up with something different, you know, especially with all these Yeti races I've done. You know, I've done unicorns, Yeti races. I've done two different unicorns. I've done um, Fireball, <laughs> as you mentioned. I've done a couple different Dolly versions. Um, I actually dressed up as Jason Green. At I remember the, uh, that. Yes, <laughs> yes. I remember the pictures. That was great. <laughs> and I think you did pretty good on that one. I was impressed. I remember seeing that going like, my God, that's amazing. That is so Jason Green. <laughs> yeah. And so I struggle, you know, trying to come up with ideas sometimes. Um, so, I, you know, I get nervous about signing up for a race if I don't have any ideas about what to be. Uh, but, you know, I've, like I said, I live on Amazon. My mom, she still makes and sews a lot of my costumes. Or a lot of times I'll buy something on Amazon and I'm like, okay, we need to change this right. into this. So we kind of have to, you know, she does a lot of sewing. And um, so, you know, coming up with what I'm going to be happy with, because I'm pretty particular, you know, about my costumes and I want to make sure it looks good. Um, so I love finding, you know, things on Amazon and being able to switch them around, you know, and make, make them a little bit different. But sometimes, you know, it's easier just to get some of the straight off Amazon. My mama doesn't have to sew, especially when I'm doing, you know, two, three races a month. There's no way she could make that many for me. So... I have a couple of ideas. Let's let's, let's workshop this. So I was thinking for Dark Anchor, because there's an anchor involved, you Mm -hmm. could go as Popeye or oh, olive oil. Oh, you okay? Oh, Popeye this year. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I missed the Popeye. Do you want to go back as olive oil then? <laughs> that is a good option. I like that. Yeah. That'd be kind of a good a good costume for El El Capitan. Maybe mm-hmm. Captain Kirk. Well, that one is actually in uh, New Mexico, where it's the home of Smokey the Bear. Oh, so you can go Smokey. And it's going to be Smokey the Bear. Of course, you okay. got to go Smokey. The buckle's going to have Smokey the Bear, and it's representing Smokey's 80th birthday. So definitely going to do Smokey the Bear there. Okay. What about uh, for Little Rock? What about Bill Clinton? <laughs> <laughs> or how about I just wear a blue dress? You can, yes. Just be the <laughs> Just be the dress at the Little Rock one. That would be absolutely perfect. Just be the dress. 
Oh. And yeah, I got to come up with a good one for Yeti 100 next year because I think it's going to be the um, 10 year anniversary. So it's going to be a big one. So I need another fun team. So I need your help on that one, Ryan. You should go as Becca Joyner. So you should go as for the 10th anniversary. <laughs> She dresses up in races too. I love it too. So. <laughs> you guys, you guys could swap costumes or something. No, you've really covered a lot of the bases on that. That the you know because you you play into the Yeti thing and you've done that. Do you want to go something else with the Virginia Creeper Trail? Maybe a train. Think about if you've, you've done the space shuttle, the Creeper, the Virginia Creeper was a famous train. Maybe you need to do the the Yeti one hundred as the Virginia Creeper. That's a good idea. I've done, um, I've kind of done a couple rails to trails races, and I've got like a little um, train engineer, you know, with the old, the overalls and you know the wooden train whistle. Especially, I did that at Tunnel Hill. So we're going through the tunnel at Tunnel Hill, and I'm like blowing the train whistle. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you've had you've done so many. If you yeah. hadn't done it, like, was what was the number again? It was like two hundred and. 264, 264 different costumes. marathons and ultras and I think 203 different costumes. 203 different costumes. That's, you've covered a lot of these a, bases. Mm-hmm. And I still have them all. I'll keep every costume. I'm running out of room. <laughs> well, think about this. It all, it all makes perfect sense, Charlotte. You got rid of all of your stuff when you moved onto a boat <laughs> so you could move back onto land and have a place to put all your costumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually, when we did live on the boat, we had a 10 by 10 storage building, and that was mostly what was in there was my big tubs of costumes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're paying we're paying $100 a month to store your costumes. <laughs> so I made that perfectly that's clear. Right. That's, a, that's a monthly expense. It's $100 a month to store all of your costumes. I would think, and I don't know if you've looked into this, I know there is like world records for marathons dressed as a video like fastest marathon dressed as a video game character yeah are you in any of those records so i've applied a couple times and i think the first one i applied for was the most marathons running costume and i think i waited till i did like 50 and they're like yeah yeah that's really not that special and then i did when i did my 50th state i finished in kansas at the land of oz marathon and I dressed as the cast of The Wizard of Oz. I had six different costumes and I changed throughout the race. So wow. I submitted the, yeah, I had started off as um, Dorothy, kind of black and white, like the beginning of the movie. Then there was a costume that was half good witch, half bad witch. And then there was the scarecrow and then the tin man and then the cowardly lion. And then I dressed as full color Dorothy. And this was funny. My coworker that actually lived in that town had a Karen Terrier. So she's like, oh, do you want to carry the dog across the finish line? I'm like, oh, that'd be perfect. My own little Toto. <laughs> well, she didn't tell me that this dog was about 15 years old. And so we get like right the last, you know, point one of the marathon. And I'm like almost having to drag this poor little dog up this little hill to finish. And I'm like trying to finish and celebrate with my friends and family. And this little dog is just slowly trotting up. <laughs> it's the funniest video. Okay, I'm dying to know. Not because okay. not because I, I care about your time, but I'm just wondering, how long does it take you to run a marathon and make six costume changes during that marathon? <laughs> I, you know, I don't remember what the time was. I know I finished, you know, I think the time limit was six hours. 
Um, so I know it was under six hours at least. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, I did take, you know, my mom, we had predetermined spots and she knew exactly where to meet me and I had everything all bagged up and ready to go. And I have friends there, you know, because I'm having to change out the booties too. Because, yeah. you know, I had to put on the silver booties for the Tin Man and the furry booties for the lion. So, you know, I had a lot of friends there to help me celebrate. And so they were helping with the costume changes. But yeah, that did definitely add... Um, a, a little piece to my time on that race. I think so. Yeah, you're, you're, as you're passing people at the end, you go like, you know, I've made six costume changes during <laughs> <Yeah>. this run. <laughs> What's your excuse? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Did Guinness get back to you on that one? Yeah. Or? So they said, well, we have no way to determine how long you stayed in each costume. So I kind of got bored with them. But then recently, I'm trying to think, oh, you know, I need to do it one more time at least. You know, and then I actually, because, you know, there's a lot of other great people out there that um, run in costumes. Michael Wardian's got some. Yeah. Um, some, in fact, he, I think he just tried to do the Forrest Gump and missed it by like, you know, less than two minutes. Um, and so he and I are, have, have kind of, we met at a race. And so we've kind of bonded over the costumes and, um, you know, I'm just not fast and everything's fastest marathon dressed as a blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But he's always talked about, you know, and I've never looked to see or how, how they record ultras or, you know, I'm definitely the fastest marathon hundred miler dressed as Dolly Parton. I know I've got that one because I'm pretty sure nobody else has run hundred miler dressed as Dolly Parton. (laughs) But I don't know if they break out hundred milers or ultras or how they do that. So I just need to spend, you know, some time getting on, on the internet and and applying it. Because every time you apply, it's like, five or six dollars yeah like can everybody get on the horn and call guinness and say come on charlotte needs to be in the guinness book of world records for fastest hundred mile race dressed as dolly parton you know what you guys could do you and mike could could swap you could dress as mike and mike could dress as you just for one race that'd be a lot of fun wouldn't it yeah i love I can handle that beer. That would get itchy. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. You're like, you're like, listen, Michael, I'd really love to do this. Can you shave so people can get used to what you look like without your beard? If Anton Kapritschka can cut his long, flowy Jesus hair into a into a buzz cut, you surely can cut that beard off. I'll, I'll approach him about that and see if we can do a costume swap that time sometime. Charlotte, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for saving that story and all of these great stories for the Adventure Jogger. Well overdue, and I'm so thankful we were able to make this happen. Oh, thanks so much, Ron. It's been a blast. Wow, 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 wow.